Hey everyone, welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. I'm Loren, and I will be interviewing some of the top leaders and innovators from the dance and acrobatic industry. If you are a teacher, performer, student, or a lifelong learner like myself, you are sure to find these episodes intriguing and full of inspiration. Acrobatic Arts is passionate about providing current and relevant information for everyone. So please, sit back and enjoy as we share our passion with you and the world. In this episode, I'm talking with Angela Kim. Angela is a professional figure skater, contortionist, aerialist, and founder of Balance Skaters. I hope you find this interview as interesting and motivational as I did. Angela Kim, hello and welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. Hello, Lauren. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to talk to you. And I'm not sure if you remember this, but when you took your Acrobatic Arts Module 1 certification course, I was one of the course conductors. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I was, that was. it feels like a million years ago, but... It does. Yeah. I'll admit, I remember being a little intimidated because you were an artistic athlete with Cirque du Soleil, and there I was teaching you the progressions of a cartwheel. But what really impressed me was how receptive you were to the information, how interested you were in the syllabus, and I even remember you demonstrating some of the skills and having so much fun. So Angela, it was super inspiring for me to see your love and passion for physical movement. So thank you for that. Mm, yes, thank you. That is exactly spot on to what I was experiencing. That's what I love about acrobatic arts. It's such a joy and a, and a real pleasure to be talking to you about it right now. Angela, since it is your first time on the podcast, how about we start with you telling us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, how you became involved in the performing arts, and how that led you to all the wonderful things that you have done and what you are currently doing. Yes. So that's a, that's a big question, Lauren, but um, I'll try to make a full round here. So I had a pretty unconventional path, actually. You know, I started very young in competitive figure skating. You know, my mother put me in everything. I was in dance classes, gymnastics, piano, violin, and of course, figure skating. And I was very, very shy. And so she thought this would be a good way for me to kind of break out of my shyness. But, you know, the one thing that stuck after, you know, so many years of, of doing this was figure skating. And um, of course, you know, it's like a very competitive and um, specialized sport. So, you know, my childhood is really about going to school, going to the rink, just training and then competitions and all that. So I had a pretty rigorous childhood in that sense, but I absolutely loved it. Like I've always been a striver, even as a kid. And my parents actually never pushed me through anything. <laughs> they were always kind of hands off, just dropped me off at the rink. So yeah, after I graduated school and, you know, I competed and just was really burnt out from the competing world. Um, my coach is like, hey, you should try performing. And that's when I really blossomed. You know, that shyness like was finally kind of lifted from me of not being so, having to be so perfect as a competitor. Because I think, you know, when you're in this environment of having to, you know, be put on this measurement of, of skills and all these things, you, you kind of forget um, like the human side of yourself. It's just kind of like you execute. <laughs> and it's just this way of, thinking um, that, you know, finally as a performer, like I could just leave that behind me. And then it wasn't about comparison. It was about creating. And that's uh, kind of where I think all of this started to become 
a very successful <laughs> career for me is first, you know, as a, as a young, young child, um, learning the discipline, um, but really just kind of freeing myself from having to prove myself as an athlete, but wanting to create because I wanted to be like the best version of myself. Um, so I was in skating and then I was in college and just trying to figure things out. Of course, this is me young 20 year old, some things would be doing. And I got my Pilates certification because I love movement and had a studio in Portland, Oregon, which was very successful at the time. Also teaching figure skating and doing a lot of off-ice training with them. And then I went to Verakai, which is like a Cirque du Soleil show back in 2008 and just fell in love. Just was so enamored that like I went, I think, three to four more times while I was still in Portland. I was like, that's it. This is what I want to do. So I like Googled you know, circus classes. And back in 2008, they were not as prevalent. I mean, really, it was just like maybe one school in the whole U.S., which was Circus Center in San Francisco. So here's me just buying a ticket to San Francisco and like walking into this Mongolian contortion class. And I had no idea what I was really walking into, but I just had this very um, strong fascination with the stretching and bending and and how beautiful the art and how the potential of what the body can do. And so here's me at 26, 27 years old. Um, wanting to learn the art of contortion and um, met a very special teacher named Serchma Biamba. I believe she's one of the very first teachers to teach Mongolian uh, contortion in the U.S. You know, she had this really magical way of coaching where she pushed me in a very intense kind of Eastern European way, if that makes sense. You know, she comes from a very strong discipline, but then was also very kind-hearted and just truly believed in my potential and to teach contortion to adults really wasn't a thing back then. It was, it was kind of unmapped territory. It was an interesting kind of dynamic, <laughs> to say the least. And, you know, three years later, here I am sitting on my head and just like contortion was a lifestyle for me. It was just something that I had to do every day. And then, of course, I, I really was involved in circus at the time, started doing more aerial. And I decided to put all three together. And that's what kind of put me on the map in terms of branding myself as a performer who was able to do something different. I wouldn't say I was like the person who started aerial skating, but in the U.S. especially, it wasn't really something that was done. I maybe seen like a couple old school videos on YouTube from like Russians back, I don't know, (laughs) back in the day in like traditional circuits. So just been a very excited person. I've always wanted to like do things that were different, innovative and you know, mix that with a lot of hard work and optimism. <laughs> and uh, that's how my career kind of began. And I just, it just kept going. So like I said, it was a bit unconventional. And I, uh, I feel like uh, the common thread was really just loving what I did <laughs> and right. just going for the things I wanted. I always think it's so amazing. And, and it really touches my heart when people have a passion for something and then it turns out to be their career and they just love it. We all know the saying that if you love your work, it's not work anymore. That is magical in my opinion. So you put the three together, the aerial work and the contortion and your skating. I never even knew about aerial skating until I probably met you. And so, you know, we have to pat you on the back for just making it possible for everyone to think of new things, which is always great. Angela, a few things about what you said really inspired me. I can't believe you started contortion at, was it age 26? Yes, yes. At 26. Uh, I I think it's so wild when I say it out loud. And um, I say it often actually to my students, I think it is 
a good point uh, to believe that you are capable. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like you have to be young to do it. So I was really, really ambitious. I remember when I even started Circus, I knew I wanted to do at a professional level. Like I always took myself very seriously in my training. I think that was because I was a competitive figure skater. But I took that um, training mentality and poured it into contortion and just a lot of hard work. I, you know, I was not naturally flexible. I'm not um, have any kind of hypermobility kind of genetics in me. Um, I was a very strong and powerful skater. I was a, I was a jumper actually. My muscles were really developed in a way that wasn't really, you know, it wasn't wasn't really meant for like these long like like contortion movements, you know, or just even like the hyper flexibility that it, it needed. I actually came to search and with no 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 splits. Forget square splits. I had no splits. So um, I really started from scratch. There was no real big physical overlap other than kind of having a hard head and wanting to do something. So, you know, I'd stretch three hours a day, you know, and I think back at that time, I kind of cringe a little bit because we know so much more about stretching and and movement, the physicality of of what um, actually it means to stretch your muscles and your tendons and your ligaments. And there's like, ways to do that um, in a very scientific and safe way. None of that really applied back then. <laughs> With so much respect to Sershma and the tradition of contortion, it, it, it works and it, it, was, it was respected. And so whatever Sershma had us do, it came from a place of respect and tradition of what they did in Mongolia. So with that said, it, it was a long journey and, you know, it was like two steps back, three steps forward, like with any kind of training regimen. But it was just the pure dedication, I think, that was the biggest success, um, along with being able to, to kind of withstand um, kind of that harsh training. You know, it was just a lot of fortitude and just belief. And I am pr- appreciative of Searchman for that, because as a coach, being a student, you, you really rely on your coach for those moments of like, you know, doubt of yourself to remind me that like I, it's possible. Anything's possible with hard work. And so she just had that magical touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I said, I, I, it was a, it was a tough road for me. I had to work real hard for my, my hips to open my shoulders, but considering how late I started, pretty proud of myself, how far I, I actually got with it. And I probably would still have continued if it wasn't for my hip problems. I started happening. It wasn't necessarily because of contortion. It was just the activity that illuminated my problems that I didn't realize I had since a child, which was a genetic abnormality that wasn't properly diagnosed, kind of like the game changer for me in my career. Yeah, Angela, I did want to touch on that a little bit because I know in dance and acro, we sometimes come across a lot of students who have some hip problems or might even have hip surgery. So can you tell everyone sort of what happened and how you recovered? Yeah, yeah. So I was diagnosed with something called FAI, it's femoral acetabular impingement. And it's basically the exact opposite of hip dysplasia where um, the ball and socket weren't quite matching and my, it, my socket was quite deep. Both my sockets were quite deep. So it almost felt like bumper cars in my hips when I went into end range. That's everything contortion. And skating as well, you know, we, there's just a lot of compression and a lot of end range movements that happen. And um, I remember when I was little, of course, you know, I, I just, I didn't want to recognize it. I was just like, oh, it's just, it's normal. And I would just push through the pain. And I had zero internal rotation and all external rotation. And I was praised for it. 
But in fact, like that was really a compensation pattern that nobody really caught. They just thought it was just kind of like this weird, wild thing that I had. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I started to have problems. Like, you know, I went to the doctor, just like, you know, things just don't feel right and had MRIs. It was very uh, sobering because both of my hips have ossified from the like literally years. So I probably torn my labrum several times as a child. And then the years and years of just continuously like pushing into these end ranges where my bones actually weren't, there was no space. They couldn't do anything other than take out both my labrums and replace them. So back in 2015, there wasn't a lot long-term data or studies on FAI. It's a little bit of an unknown thing to put more perspective on it. Um, I was one of two people in that year to have this kind of surgery done where they took out two inches of my T-band rolled them up and made a little gasket and reharvested it as my, my new labrums, which is basically wow. like the section of, of your hip or your hip bone into its socket. So it was a miracle. And I, I really had such a lucky team of surgeons and, and people to, to help me rehab. Um, but I was off my legs for a good year, different from like a hip replacement where you can, they want you to walk. And it was a very kind of just tedious long, long uh, rehab to be able to walk again. So I, I learned a lot about hip health and what it meant to keep my health and my hips healthy after that. I guess my takeaway from that experience is when a student says, this is painful or this hurts to really listen, kind of easy to kind of like, oh, you know, it's fine. You just have to breathe, you know, and it's actually, you know, it's something that I wish I was more aware of as a child and to be able to speak up and when say that something hurts and not feel like I was being punished for, for not doing something. So yeah, I, uh, I, I wonder, I always wonder if this was something that was diagnosed or some coaches were able to kind of identify at some level, uh, if this would have changed uh, my path a little bit, but yeah, uh, definitely at how old was I? I think I was like my early thirties when, when they discovered my, my, uh, my diagnosis. Right. So you were in your early thirties and you had two hip surgeries and it took you a year to recover. So then what happened with everything? Yeah. You know, I lived a very normal life. I was coaching full time and I was living in San Francisco. I think I even took like a couple pole classes just as like <laughs> some fun, like, you know, getting some exercise in, but I, you know, it was, it was tough that year. Like I had to let go of a lot of my ego, a lot of my identity because my identity was circus and movement. And it was, it was definitely a, a year of just of a lot of reflection on that, but yeah, I, um, I moved on. And the next thing I know, I wake up and I'm reading my emails and here's Cirque du Soleil asking me if I'd be available for their new creation of Volta in 2017 that was just wild because <laughs> I auditioned for Cirque eight years before then so I was in their database and it was just that one moment where they probably you know looked up figure skater aerialist combo and there I popped up in their system so it was wild I, I actually think I burst into tears <laughs> you know, in complete shock because it was such a huge dream that like I let go of after my surgeries right and so you get the email and start crying with, <laughs> with happiness. And, and then what? You jump on a plane and. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. I, <laughs> yeah, well, um, well, you know, I wasn't in shape, you know, definitely not, not in that type of shape. You know, it's been like, you know, I had this major, major bilateral surgery and 
you know, I wasn't really doing anything. So I, I had six months where I just went into like Rocky mode training <laughs> to get myself back into shape. And um, it had to be done in a very smart way because of my hips. And I was just very probably, you know, my, my surgeon's like, God, oh, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Just keep them strong. And so, you know, I just kind of put that hat, that athlete hat back on and just, and really put my thousand percent in it. Cause like, you know, what an opportunity of a lifetime to be part of the Cirque du Soleil stage. Not, and on top of that, a creation. So I flew out to Montreal and, uh, you know, we are at headquarters for eight months through this very rigorous process of creating this show um, at such a large scale with so much pressure, not just on my shoulders, but, you know, the, the whole team that you, you felt, you know, this, this exciting energy, but it was also a very kind of uh, intense energy <laughs> uh, to really step up to the plate when you had to. So it was a beautiful experience, but it was also a very challenging experience. Probably one of the hardest things I've been through, actually, for many different reasons. I felt very lucky to have that under my belt. Again, having that past of knowing where I came from and being veteran for one year and then to be standing on stage of Cirque du Soleil, yeah. that will never get old. I will always kind of be like this, you know, hair uh, rising <laughs> sensation in my body because it was just, it's, it's still pretty wild. With Cirque du Soleil, I think that's around the time that you found out about acrobatic arts. I'm not sure how that happened. Maybe you can tell us how you found the company. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were on tour. Made a dear friend, Joey Riggio, which is a resident coach at Acrobatic Arts, I believe, still. Um, he's like, hey, we're backstage just doing our normal day-to-day. And he's like, do you want to teach at this thing, this conference in Toronto? It's called Acrobatic Arts. You know, it's just, it's, it, 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 you know, he kind of made it sound like not this big deal almost, you know? And I was just like, sure. <laughs> And then we walk into this humongous, I don't know, it was like this gym, gymnasium of some sorts, but I mean, I've never seen so many acrobatic dancers in one room. I think there were like thousands of, of them, or I, I don't remember, but it was, it was a big deal. It was a, a very big deal. I was just amazed at how organized and this, the structure of it and just had so much fun with the kids, so much fun. And it was like a different breed from figure skaters in some sense, because it wasn't quite circus it wasn't quite you know my figure skating background it was you know this this kind of amalgamation of acrobatics and dance and and contortion and and all that I was intrigued I was really intrigued and when I once I met Mandy I um you know she was just such an inspiration for me our relationship just built from there and you know that's when I met you and I I took the module uh one teacher training just really attracted to the structure of acrobatic arts and of course being from that background of of structure and competition like I, I understood the importance of it right away kind of have acrobatic arts in the kind of my side periphery until balance skaters came <laughs> maybe tell everyone what balance skaters is and how it came about Ooh, it still tickles me a little bit um okay so a little backstory I don't think Mandy knows this maybe she does I wanted to teach for acrobatic arts like, and I, I was like saying like you know I know I'm not like you know a a, an acrobat teacher you know not a dance background but like I really love the process of what you you know what you've done and like the pedagogy behind it and and so that's kind of how it began um and the more we talked and I, I think I went to her um adjudication program during one of our breaks I was like Mandy figure skaters need this and she's like 
yeah, they do make it. And like, I looked at her, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like that can't possibly happen. But of course, like, you know, she planted the seed and then, you know, here's me like pondering about it and then was able to start extrapolating kind of these ideas of what I, what I would want to see from it. And like my, my intentions behind of, of, of it. And it just, it just grew. It was never a burning desire, to be honest. It was kind of like this pie in the sky idea for me. But the more I, I, I started to reflect, it was something that was like, wow, no, like this is absolutely needed. Not just, oh, it's a great idea. Like we need this in skating. And at the time, everything in skating was about skill acquisition on ice. So coaches would really only look at that, not come like a holistic view of figure skating and, um, you know, we know now the importance of the long-term gains of, of keeping our athletes healthy. You know, we don't want to break them before they even hit 13. And sure, with acrobatic um, dance as well, it's just, it, it, things just become more extreme because we just keep getting better at it. So it became a true passion of mine to help figure skaters and their parents and coaches really understand the idea of progressions and why that's so important. And to keep kids injury free, especially in this, these specialized sports where, you know, there's all these uh, studies and, and science journals saying specialization can be very dangerous at a young age. And so how can we keep, you know, them healthy mentally and physically through their career and hopefully make an impact where they become awesome adults because <laughs> they're, they're able to have such a healthy and um, positive experience. You are living testimony that, you know, you put the time and the work in and then you can transfer those skills to something else and then excel at that. I'm a little addicted to your Instagram, Balance Skaters. The physical exercises that you offer are just amazing. And you do a lot of the demonstrating. And Angela, you are one fit person. <laughs> um, I just... You know, when you said you were dedicated and I'm like, yeah, you're not lying. You are. <laughs> you are. Um, so I encourage everyone to start following Angela on Balance Skaters just to watch her do the exercises. Very inspiring, motivating us all to stay fit. So what would the skaters get out of your program? It's actually very similar to acrobatic arts in the sense that we have five levels. And as you can see, you know, it's all about balance. So the idea is that we want to create athletes and good humans before mm -hmm. we want to create good skaters, if that makes sense. So making sure that the skater has fundamental strength and mobility and capacity and the motor skills to, to actually try a skill before they even get on the ice. You know, a lot of the times old, like kind of like in the old school skating mentality is you just jump and you fall and you do it again, fall, you do it again. And you would fall like a hundred times, you know, over the week. And it's just not right on the body. Right. <laughs> and I think we just are so much smarter now where we can be resilient, but there's better ways in training. I love the learning process of, of motor development and skill acquisition, but if we can just break it apart into little pieces for these kids. They will feel so much better about themselves when they get when they get on the ice and they attempt things. You know, it's like the whole like I can't. Oh no, I I can't do this. It's too hard. You know, all those things. You know, we can try to mitigate. You know, by empowering them off the ice with like, you know, let's just start with a good old squat. You know, like can you balance on one foot? And before we ask our skaters to put blades on their feet and propel themselves in the air without having kind of that awareness and. 
that's how I grew up skating. Actually, it was really it was, it was just like monkey see, monkey do. And as a child, of course, we're very good at that. Over time, you know, especially with the bigger demands, I think that can be very taxing on on little kids. So, balanced skaters is is a syllabus, but I also like to think it's an it's it's a pedagogy of way of teaching as well. I try to you know with my with my coaches is to kind of share that with them. You know that these progressions they all mean something. It's, it's really to strive for a sense of excellence, both as a coach and, but as a, as a child, you know, like we, it, it just feels so good to, to be able to accomplish these things. And, you know, unfortunately in skating and probably in maybe in the dance world as well, we are so focused on the result and the execution, but never really so much about the process. Balance skaters continues to kind of evolve for me as well. And uh, what, what my intentions are behind it. Um, but I just, what I feel very, very, grateful for is that the people that have magnetized towards me and the core values of balance skaters and these team of coaches I have now it's it's just such a beautiful kind of energy and just this thing that's kind of not even about me anymore and and my like the why I started balance skaters it's kind of taken on its own own kind of life and that's been really cool to see Aww. Well, I want to send out a big congratulations to you. I know how much work goes into that. As you mentioned right from the beginning, you sort of had that discipline. And when you set your heart on something, you stick with it. I think Balanced Skaters is definitely a program for everyone to check out. So make sure, teachers, you go check that out, skater or no skater. If you can think of any other advice you would give young dancers and athletes, what would it be? I I look back at all my teachers growing up um, and my mentors. And now that I'm filling those shoes as a teacher and as a mentor, I feel great responsibility to kind of pass that on. When I coach and I want to kind of plant these seeds in my students' heads, you know, it, it sounds very generic, but, you know, about believing in yourself um, in a really big way. Hard work happens when nobody's looking at you. It's, it's like, it's, it's, I feel like we're, we're always wanting some kind of validation as children, especially. And, you know, I try to tell them, you know, it's like, if you put in the hard work and nobody's watching you, you know, it's when you do it for you, that's when I think that you start building your own kind of your own sense of discipline and your sense of um, autonomy in your, in your work. And so that's something that I, I, I try to instill in my, my kids is that it's the hard work. It isn't about being praised. It's about an inner desire to better yourself when nobody's watching you. Um, so I think that would probably be like a nuance that I, I hope <laughs> that when my kids or my students grow up and they become teachers, they will they will also pass on, you know, just the way that my, my, my teachers have passed on to me. If I ask you if you have any advice for teachers? Balance Skaters is in its second year and I've been able um, to talk and, uh, and to really immerse myself in different um, coaching um, communities within skating and um, skating has really grown and you know there's you have so many different types of skating nowadays with that said um, I think it's really easy as coaches is to kind of stick to what you only know and be kind of identified as I'm really good at this one thing and um, although that is great especially in like such an intense sport where you do carry a lot of responsibility as a coach um, I would recommend coaches to step out and of your comfort zone and be a beginner again you know even if you may feel stupid or like you know you feel vulnerable I think uh it's important to put on the hat of I just want to learn and not like I know everything (laughs) as a coach and uh 
that we should always be long-term students, even as a, a coach, because the science is changing. The, the way, the way we coach is changing, you know, elements are changing and, and this, the whole sport is evolving so quickly. We need to keep up with the times. Great advice. So you, you had a career, you performed with Cirque du Soleil, you started Balance Skaters. What is Angela Kim doing now? So I'm still kicking. I'm, I'm still performing, actually. I'm not at the level of, you know, doing 10 shows a week, but I'm trying to find a balance in my life right now where I'm running this, this awesome company, Balance Skaters, and I have a lot of help and then delegating and trying to compartmentalize a little bit more now that the company's growing. Um, and also still um, kind of feeding myself and my, my, my artist in me and then wanting to create and try new things and you know, I think I have a couple more years in me. I just turned 40 uh, this month. So yeah, I am, I'm, uh, we're starting a new company called Avuk with a new aerial partner that I have. And we would like to kind of start a circus company, maybe. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, a lot of small little projects here and there that's keeping me very excited in life. It's nice to look forward to something. Um, and I have a circus studio in New York City called One Day, Day One which is the meaning of one day where we all are dreaming of something and we're all working towards something that one day we'll get there. But there's always a day one where, you know, you'll always have to stop and like start over again. That's kind of where I'm at right now, where I feel like I've had to start over in many ways in my career. I had to do with my hips um, or I had to because of the pandemic. And, but I just love the process of moving forwards and starting over. I think it, that will continue to give me opportunities that will allow me to create and, and hopefully do good things. I always love when people want to do good things because that means there's good people out in the world and the world definitely needs more good people. So Angela, Kim, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me and I wish you all the best in the future. Thank you, Lauren, for letting me share my story with you today. There are so many amazing people in the world and Angela Kim is certainly one of them. If you have a topic that you would like us to explore further, please send your ideas to podcast at acrobaticarts.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great day.